On this episode of Writing Tandem... I said, we need music. We need a music room in the hospital and the Behavioral Health Center so people, when they come, they're so, it's such a life moment and so they're so stressed out and we need to have some place for them to decompress and I think music is the answer. We worked on get all of it put together and we developed a nice little campaign with all of their help and all of their work and uh, a bunch of great donors and developed this campaign and we raised, I think, over a million bucks. Hi there. This is your host, Vivian, and you're listening to Writing Tandem, a podcast that is all things business, entrepreneurship, and the secrets to operating a successful business while still having a life you love. Whether you're a business owner on the verge of taking that side hustle to the next level or just curious about the world of entrepreneurship, join me as I go behind the scenes of my own business and the businesses of others, unpacking some of the most valuable lessons you can apply today. Let's dive in. Welcome to this week's episode of Writing Tandem. Excited today. I have with me on the podcast today a dad, husband, entrepreneur. He is a dad of six kids owned four businesses, and has one wife. I love how he wrote his bio out that way. He's also a very creative mind that I just have to say doesn't stop. Like the the ideas just keep flowing all the time. He's also a bit of a history buff, so it won't surprise anyone that his LLC is called the Dead Presidents Group. And he's also been known to say that Facebook is the end of humanity, which, you know, I'm not sure that I disagree. (laughs) And so I'm here to welcome today John Nelson. Thanks for coming on. You bet. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay, so first I'm just going to say, I don't know if you still have it, but I used to live right across the street from one of your businesses, right over Alice's place. And you drive the coolest truck. Oh, yeah. Do you still have that truck? Yes. I got a couple of them. Yeah? Old trucks. Yeah, that's my probably my uh, favorite thing to do is attempt to work on old trucks and drive them just down country roads so it's my relaxation i remember coming out one day and i'm like watering my plants out front because i'm the plant lady and i look trusty and i'm like what a sweet truck and i don't remember which one it was but so you have a couple yeah i have a couple that one was probably the 1962 chevy c10 um i just bought it off ebay actually i bought it when i sold seller 19 and uh it came from california just kind of bought it sight unseen and I lucked out because it's a beautiful truck, super clean, and everybody, I mean, can't go to a gas station without somebody trying to buy it from you. We're coming over and talk to you about it and telling the story that they had it. They grew up in one, so it's it's cool. People, uh, it's a great conversation piece. Did it run when it came to you? Yes, it ran good, but then I blew up the motor one night, driving home, just a big poof and cloud of smoke. I threw a rod right out of the oil pan, and uh, so I put a new motor in it, and it runs pretty good. There's still little things that uh, always tweaking with but luckily those cars or trucks are so old that they're easy to work on no computers or anything so it's you can diagnose it pretty quick are you pretty handy when it comes to that type of thing no i'm not i am never uh construction or mechanic nothing my friends always make fun of me and uh, when i try and build something or uh, work on something but i'm slowly getting there i can do like the basics slowly getting better what do you just like youtube it or how do you yes youtube man so I learned how to be a butcher and uh, work on trucks and cook different recipes, everything. It's good for recipes. It is beautiful. So I know you're not a Facebook fan. Do you like the TikTok or anything like that? No, I got a couple TikTok buddies. My kids are TikTok, but I'm an Instagram guy. I'm just, uh, I'm the photographs. I love pictures. Pictures tell a thousand words, they say, right? Yeah. And my dad was always into photography and think that's why I picked up on it too but yeah just Instagram I like posting pictures and not really following up on comments or anything I just want to post a picture and look at picture that's where it starts getting dangerous all the different you know the comments and the trolling I know it's just it's hard and it can just rabbit hole you so you have a very creative mind is what I've observed and then Michaela knows you really well has for years and every time you come up in conversation, it's always, oh, there was this idea, or there was this time, and we talked about this, and oh, this would have been cool. And you've obviously launched a number of ideas. But I'm curious, when you look back, what have been some of your craziest or wildest ideas that maybe you haven't pursued, but they still pop up for you? Gosh, I don't know. I wish I could sell ideas, but I do have a ton of ideas, just the execution on all of them somewhere that's where I'm still learning as a business owner and a idea guy uh what are some of them 
Oh yeah, well, this isn't really a good one probably, but it's like uh, Uber for kids. Yeah, it's probably somebody already came up with it. I probably just read it somewhere. That's the only one that can come to mind. But somebody that can take my kids to basketball practice and they're like a certified uh, whatever child person. That child driver. Driver, yes. They're all approved and accredited and they can take my kids to school and uh, practice and um, all that stuff. That'd be great. Uber for kids. I'm sure it's already, it already exists somewhere. I'm trying to think what else. I think that is interesting because... I believe it does exist in really large cities. Does it? Like New York, things like that. But I don't think anyone's figured it out for more spread out areas like ours, where you have like an urban pocket like Council Bluffs, but then you have, I mean, you have all these rural areas. Right. And I think that's where it gets really tough, right? You're trying to get multiple kids to different activities, and you might be driving a long ways. Yeah. I mean, it's just practices and games all weekend, but... Yeah, it's not a very good one. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but I know Michaela, come to me. Michaela's wanted to do something with you, and that it required also like luau's and closing down blocks and roasting pigs, and she's really wanted to do some sort of party. Yeah, street dance. Um, that could have been one. I don't. I think it would be cool to have a street dance party type of business oh. where you roll in and you just like open it up for people. Yeah. No, that's it is that is one of the ideas. It was the, the McClellan Street Dance. We were trying to come up with the first annual. Um, I'm pretty sure it's already happened once or twice, but uh, just going to those small towns, I think that's where people are starting to uh, regress back to. You know, all the old butcher shops and all the stores, they're all getting, they're all depleted and everybody left, but I think there's a resurgence. I think people are coming back and going away from the big box stuff and that was the idea with the butcher shop and John's Naturals is to try and recreate uh, some of those old memories and kind of bring back some of that uh, old school stuff. Yeah, tell me a bit about John's Naturals. That's one of your businesses, one of your four. Yeah, John's Naturals was uh, um, an idea, another idea. I had Cellar 19 um, in Council Bluffs, just, just a little deli and wine shop. And my dad would always take me over to Spirit World, a restaurant in Omaha, and um, as a kid, and we'd eat these sandwiches on these like crusty baguettes and this uh, cheese I've never heard of. And <laughs> he would look at all the wine and shop, and uh, we would drink root beer and eat these sandwiches. And it was just like the best memories um, I've had. And that's where Cellar 19 came from. So it uh, kind of started there. I was working in a cubicle, and I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I, uh, saw this strip mall being built in Council Bluffs and I just went for it and signed it and told my bosses in Omaha that I was quitting and I was opening a Hawaiian shop in a deli in Council Bluffs and they said, uh, you're doing what? You're opening a wine shop in Council Bluffs? That's never going to work. Um, and I'm like, well, I already signed the lease, so I'm doing it. And my two weeks, here's my two weeks. So I did it and it took off actually really well and um, it was efficient and I had good staff, good tenure and it was fun, but it was a, a ton of work, and there was a bit of naivety. Naivety is that a word? Naivety. Yeah, yeah close enough. There was, uh, and that's good. I think that was what something I learned pretty early on is it's great to be a little naive with your ideas or starting a business because if you do know all the roadblocks and the hurdles, you'll never ever do it. So it's good to just jump in and go and tackle them as they come. But yeah, so anyways, I sold that in uh, thirteen and just. Uh, kind of happened on a whim and happened pretty quick and I didn't realize what I was going to do next. So I always was frustrated with my suppliers and being able to get locally sourced proteins and stuff, deli meat, uh, in the restaurant. And it, uh, frustrated me and I couldn't, uh, figure it out. So that's, uh, why I wanted to start it. And so I, uh, sold it and, um, just had an idea on opening a butcher shop. And, um, like I said, it sold pretty quick. And so we went out to I'd always go out to McClellan and there'd be a, a couple of buddies that live out there and there's a little bar called the Dewdrop there that I would go to and uh, have a beer. And uh, there was this little building that was shut down and just uh, abandoned and it looked like an old butcher shop. And uh, so I tried to rent it from the farmer or buy it from the farmer and he said, no, sometimes my employees go up there and use the bathroom so it's probably not going to work. And so I went back to him and finally got him to lease it to me. And I just opened a little butcher shop, went to YouTube, started making sausage, learning how to make it. And um, it kind of took off from there. Um, I was thought I could draw people from Council Bluffs and Omaha uh, into the butcher shop. And it was pretty slow going early on. But 
Um, I realized one day when like this 120 year old lady came in and ordered one sausage for like a dollar fifty that I probably needed to switch gears and uh, do something else. So we, uh, one of my suppliers, that's how it started. I kind of just started googling local farms and local suppliers, uh, producers in the state of Iowa. Found one and they turned me on to another one and uh, kind of went from there. But uh, they had one commercial customer where they would, uh, after production, they would take it up to their office. And a couple of days later, put it in their, take it down from their employee refrigerator and take it and deliver to this restaurant. And they approached me and said, hey, do you want to maybe uh, take over this account? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I need to do something. Yeah. And uh, so I did and kind of spiraled from there. Just started knocking on restaurants doors and back doors and going in to talk to chefs. And we kind of built our program based off of these chefs' needs. And I realized quickly that uh, a lot of the products that were out there weren't uh, really what chefs were looking for. Um, they were looking for different cuts and more fat on the pork and different beef cuts that weren't really ready, readily available. So we kind of started tweaking stuff and we built this custom program based on butchers or uh, chefs needs. And we call it uh, butcher driven, just kind of built the program off of that. That's really neat. That's interesting how you have changed things over time. You start with one idea and go, nope, not quite. I'm going to do this one. I'm curious with Seller 19, you sold it. Why did you decide to sell? Was it because you now had this new idea and you wanted to pursue that and you didn't want to have both things going? Or what What was the decision you had yeah. to make there? No, it was just that daily grind. It was the seven days a week and I was pretty detail-oriented. So I wanted to like make every sandwich and make sure there was the right cheese, the right amount of cheese, the right amount of lettuce, the right amount of tomatoes. So I sure. was, uh, I wanted it perfect. And I, so I was... I don't know what the word is, but I really wanted to uh, have control over the process. So I worked seven days a week for however many years, and um, it was just like one day out of frustration. And he was always drilling me, when are you going to sell it to me? When are you going to sell it to me? He was a regular customer. And I finally said, okay, here's what I want for it, and um, you can have it. And he said, okay. And that was it. Really? Yeah. Did you have to like pull in lawyers and, you know, drop paperwork? Or was it more of like a handshake type of no, deal? No, it was the whole shebang. Yeah, I had to go through all the records and the tax returns and the all that good stuff. So it was a little bit of a process, but it did happen fairly quick. Yeah. Yep. Was that familiar territory for you, or were you learning as you go with that process? No, that was the first. Um, never thought anybody would want to buy one of my ideas. So when it came across and I thought about it for a second, um, I was ready to jump on it. I go back and forth now, whether I would uh, regret the decision or whether I, whether I would do it over again. But gosh, I I feel like I got more ideas and I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. You know, I'm still trying to figure it out. So uh, just move on to the next one and don't let any of those ideas go untapped. When you sold Seller 19, I think this is a thing a lot of people ask us to like business owners, what are you selling? Is it the, with a restaurant, as a, for example, are you selling the building, the recipes, the name, or is it just recipes, no building? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, it's all different, I guess, depending on uh, how the business is set up. But this instance was not the building. We didn't own the building. We just rented. So it was the concept and the recipes and the employees and the um, kind of the whole uh, brand, I guess, more than anything, kind of building that brand and uh, something that customers can recognize and quality and, you know, just whatever's behind that brand, I think, is what was worth uh, what I sold it for. Yeah. Knowing exactly how much cheese. That's right. Having three, a process. Three, three tomatoes, two slices of cheese. How do you... It's just the mayo. I mean, some you just can't squirt so much mayo on there, like half the bottle, like, or not enough. It's got to be like the perfect... That's why McDonald's has the damn gun that, you know, squirts like three, four spots of mustard, and it's the same every time. It's about that consistency. That's what keeps me up at night is uh, trying to be consistent and deliver the same product. You know, some of that stuff isn't necessarily great, but it's consistent. That's how they win. You know what you're getting. It's the same thing every time, so it's hard. Yeah, that is true, though. I mean, even when you travel across the nation, if you walk into some of these types of businesses, I know the experience I'm going to have. I know when I look to the right, I'm going to see this. Yeah. I look to the left, I'm going to see that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it still amazes me how you're able to scale like that and uh, keep everything consistent and with employees and the products and the 
packaging and everything. It's uh, impressive, and I'm still trying to figure some of that stuff out. But Yeah. I wonder about what goes through your head when you're thinking about all these ideas. Is there a process that you're going through, or what's rolling around in there when you go, this is an idea worth launching, and this one I'm going to shelve for now? What criteria are you going through? How did you decide to go from the cubicle to... I'm going to launch Seller 19. What happens in your head? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't even make those decisions. Like I'm just, it just happens. Like I know that if I'm supposed to do something, I just do it. And I guess I don't have any rational decision or there's not that one thing. It just feels like it's, it, it's like out of my control. Like I just do it and don't really think about it. And if I believe in the idea and believe in the concept, then um, I just go for it, and that goes back to that not thinking about it because you probably won't do it. But being able to do that, I guess, is is great if you can pull it off and, you know, you can get in sticky situations with different ideas and doing, and I've dealt with that too, and um, it's hard, but um, you just try and believe in that idea, and then I think that all of it, it just happens. I mean, certain things have to fall into place, and go in your favor. But uh, if you want it to happen, I think you just make it. Have you had ideas that you felt really strongly about that you thought were going to be super great and they just haven't panned out the way you hoped? Yeah. I mean, currently I'm in one and it's uh, it's restaurants. I swore I'd never do restaurants again just because there's so many moving parts and so many, uh, they're just a conundrum to me. They're, especially in today's environment, they're just impossible. But yeah, that you have this idea and and uh, how things should work, and it seems like it should be efficient and easy, but when you get into the framework of it, there's just so many moving parts. Like uh, that's what I like now. That's what I love about John's Naturals. It's efficient. It's um, there's not a ton of moving parts, and with the restaurants, there's just so many variables that it's hard to be consistent and make a buck these days. What do you think's made John's Naturals so efficient? Because I'm sure it didn't start day one at full, at fully efficient. Yeah. What has it taken to get there? Just that individual drive, I think, that being able to do it yourself and being able to make it consistent and uh, developing those relationships, I think, is the biggest thing. Um, and that's the same thing in the restaurant world. And I haven't had a ton of time to be in the restaurant um, as much as I should have, and that's probably to my own fault and maybe one of the problems. I think people want to see that your face and the uh, owner, and that's kind of, I think, how John's Naturals was built is just based on uh, myself and being able to develop those relationships with people. Yeah, and that's something I know pre-interview, you've given me a couple of notes here, and you talked about balance in there a couple times. And I do wonder about that as you're transitioning from seller 19 you're doing john's naturals then you have your other restaurant ventures that you're doing do you find yourself stuck at times between balancing all of that or juggling it and how do you deal with that yeah totally it's i mean it gets overwhelming at times and that's part of the nature of the beast i guess um but yeah that family balance that health balance the the work balance it's all this juggling act and you're always trying to do it all and it can get overwhelming and you get anxiety especially opening new concepts and there's a lot on the line a lot of money a lot of time a lot of uh, people so it's scary and yeah being able to have that balance I think is what uh, reduces some of the stress and the anxiousness Uh, being able to go to the gym and work out and walk and run and hike and do whatever I think that burns a lot of it off and uh, then the family I mean coming home to kids is and uh, is pretty special just seeing their innocence and they don't have a care in the world and it makes it makes it easier too. Has it been fairly easy for you to build that in? Because I know many, whether you own a business or not, if you're in a career even, it can be hard to build that time in to take the hike or to be there for the kids before they go to bed. Yeah. Has that been easy for you? Um, no, it's been a challenge too, but I've had the time with John's Naturals now that I've built it and you know, you get to that three, four, five year mark and um, then you can finally uh, you know, uh, build a staff and pull back a little bit. And I've done that with uh, John's Naturals. I have a great uh, employee out there now that does most of the work and the ordering and the deliveries and the sales. And 
Uh, she's great, and that has allowed me time to pull back. But then you also get can get lulled to sleep with that too, and that's one of the challenges now. Is you you pull back and just be content, and then you can get stuck in that rut where you're you know you're not as focused on the next thing or not as focused on what you should be focusing on, or um, and so you can get lulled to sleep a little bit there. But uh, no, I've been pretty good trying to find the balance, being able to find the balance. Yeah, it's interesting when Michaela and I talk about it a lot too, just being business partners together and with family and other interests and things we want to pursue. And we finally have decided, we, we personally believe that work-life balance is a lie, that you can't have balance because you're always going to tip, you know, yeah. one way or another. And that it's given us a little permission now to go, I'm putting more into the business right now. And then next week I might put more into the family. And so we're not balancing because we felt like we can't be, we kept feeling torn. It's a little semantics, right? Yeah. How you want to think about yeah. it in your head? Yeah. But we've definitely found that kind of this like sway and being good with that, but then making sure that our family is also good with that. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. There's more people involved in your decisions and everybody calls me selfish and my <laughs> wife sometimes calls me selfish and um, I try and... Uh, give attention where attention is needed, but it's always a lot of work. And yeah, finding the right groove. And yeah, you're right. Uh, things do require more attention at times, and yeah, that leaves less time for uh, other stuff. But trying to find out where to spend it is yeah, it's a little bit of a trick. But overall, I think it uh, it works. So mental health is an important thing to you. And we were talking before we jumped on here that you've even been involved in some community projects with that. Can you tell me a little bit about why you decided to get involved and what that project looked like? Yeah, so mental health is huge. Uh, with the restaurants, it's something that uh, we feel strongly about. And I lost my dad to suicide when I was 15, and it just kind of threw our whole family for a loop. And it was hard on our family and hard for everybody and growing up and having to kind of figure out stuff on your own it's it's uh and not really understanding a lot about mental illness when you're at that age and uh, what it all entails and um, you as you get older you ask questions and um, learn about it but uh yeah it was something that um, i always felt strongly about my dad was a physician at jenny edmondson and he uh yeah, just uh, had a great, I have great memories of Jenny Emmonson, went to school at Hoover, and we'd always walk over after school and stop at Johnson's Pharmacy. I don't know, you might be too young for Johnson's Pharmacy, but um, it was this little pharmacy, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and uh, we'd go get candy and then walk up to my dad's office, and the nurses would all give us more candy, and we'd go home. So we have great memories of Jenny Emmonson. So I always wanted to do something in my dad's honor for that. Our family did, and um, we finally came up with the right idea and the right people involved to be able to create something, a campaign to raise money for mental health and the behavioral health unit at Jenny. Um, we, uh, it started kind of with an idea. I was just out running one day and, um, I got to like mile two and mile three and I just started crying just out of nowhere. And it was, listen, and when I talk about this story and sometimes when I talk about my dad, I just, it, gets me so I apologize but um yeah so I just started crying and it was this it was actually a Whitney Houston song and which yes I run to Whitney Houston that's okay but uh it was like the percussion the uh, saxophone uh, in the song and it just reminded me it pulled me back to you know those memories of my dad and um, I just remember being you know in the basement of our house and um, he would pull me into his office or into his den and um, he had these real fancy headphones and all these fancy speaker equipment, and he'd put these headphones on me like these, and uh, we would listen to all this music, and um, it was one that I remembered, and it just hit me, and I was just, uh, it was crazy. So I came home, and I called my friend at the hospital, Tara, and said, Tara, I got this great idea. I figured it out. I figured out how to solve mental illness and help, and um, she's like, okay, well, tell me about it. And I said, we need music. We need a music room and the hospital and the behavioral health center. So people, when they come they're so it's such a life moment and it's, so they're so stressed out and we need to have some place for them to decompress. And I think music is the answer. And she's loved the idea. And, uh, she said there was, um, already a campaign kind of working. And so I just jumped in and 
we worked on get all of it put together and we developed a nice little campaign with all of their help and all of their work and uh, a bunch of great donors and developed this campaign and we raised I think over a million bucks for the behavioral health center and we got to redo the courtyard and redo the floors and the walls and the rooms and the paintings and just make it a more um, appeasing facility you know I think that uh, mental health gets you know swept under the rug a little bit and it was kind of the last of the remodels you know it, it doesn't get the same attention as some of the other places and some of the other areas in the hospital so it was just a great thing to be a part of that's cool yeah and you hosted that event at your restaurant didn't you yeah we hosted it and we had um, a bunch of people show up and we gave speeches and I'm not a good speech guy I try and all right get nervous but uh, yeah it was great just kind of telling stories I think is the big thing people are drawn to stories and if you can tell a good story I think people will listen I'm totally with you hence the podcast that's right yeah good stories there's so much of that whether you're talking about mental illness or you're talking about you know people who are just well I guess struggling through anything in life right and within business I think mental illness gets overlooked a lot that it's hard and people can get swept away with running their businesses, let alone in other areas of life. You know, we're talking about that work-life balance, and I've certainly known a lot of people who kind of cracked under the pressure of trying to hold all of that together, and it's not talked about, no. you know, much at all. And so that's one of the goals here, too, is certainly we want to celebrate the successes because they're really fun, and they are what make you leave your cubicle and do the thing, right? Yeah. But I think it is important to shine a light also on, like, not everybody's an overnight success. Actually, yeah. I know very few people who've ever been an overnight success. Yeah. And there's a lot of work in between. No, there is a lot of work and a lot of uh, decisions and failures. You know, you learn more from the failures, I think, sometime, but those failures can be have uh, massive consequences and um, they can affect you and your life and your family in so many different ways. Yeah. Are there any that stick out to you over the years? For as far as me personally, yeah. as far as instances where... You just learned something, you know, not necessarily that you lost the whole thing, but has there been anything where you're like, oh, yeah. I really learned from that? Yeah, a ton. Partnerships and people and uh, relying on people and uh, just, yeah, learned a ton. People have different ideas in business and partnerships. I've never really been involved in many of them before. Uh, over the past few years, I've been involved in a few and they've been a, a challenge in um, really being able to uh, work together and uh, have the same goal and the same effort. And it uh, it's definitely been one of the hardest things I've dealt with in business. Yeah. Michaela and I talk about that a lot, being business partners. And I had a business partner prior who was actually also my husband. Whoa. And um, that imploded. I mean, yeah. uh, many things going on there, not just because of the business, actually yeah. probably not a ton because of the business, but it didn't, uh, it added another stone to the pack, right? Yeah. And uh, Michaela was there, you know, through part of that. So then when we decided to come together, I brought a lot of hurt and I was scared because of that. But I also have a lot of hope and a lot of ideas and like, no, 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 like we, we can make this work. I didn't want to be stuck in the fear, yeah. but the fear was there. Yeah. And so it helped us shape our partnership actually in many ways, I think for the better, but it's not to say that it's made it perfect and we still have things that come up and we've had to figure out how to navigate through those, but it's also been one of the richest pieces of my life too. That's great. To get to grow through that together. And I don't know if we'll be business partners forever or if there's a, you know, a time on it, but it is interesting figuring out working together. Yeah, no, I see the chemistry between you guys and bringing those outside experiences from previous uh, either businesses or relationships is what makes you who you are. And you learn from all of that stuff. And it, uh, it I think it's, it's made for, you know, that next step or that next program or next idea or whatever that it, uh, it helps and it helps, it helps lessen the the anxiety, maybe the burden, the the um, nerves, uh, the fear, and it just builds you to uh, for that next uh, that next thing. Yeah. So you've you've started four businesses, correct? Yeah. Right. 
think so. What were the other two? Because we've talked about Cellar 19, John's Naturals. We got Cellar 19. We got John's Naturals. Um, we have uh, my wife opened up with myself and uh, another couple, Tap Hydration. And uh, it's a IV and uh, health spa down on Valley View Drive. And it started in 2018 okay. or 19. And it's been great. Uh, my wife does all the work and she's the service provider. And I say I'm the idea guy. I do help try and help with uh, some stuff. I'm obviously limited on what I can do, but uh, it's a beautiful little business. It reminds me of John's Naturals. It's efficient and it, uh, it, it's been great. It, it, the timing, I think, is um, huge on some of those things. It, it reminds me of the uh, timing with John's Naturals and it was kind of John's Naturals was kind of when that farm to table and that kind of resurgence was started happening and it felt like it was right before that so it uh, I was able to get in early and get the jump on it and I feel like tap hydration is the same thing it was it was early on and there wasn't a whole lot of competition there's still not a ton in our market and it was really able to get a foothold and it all comes with service and the service provided by uh, my wife and um, it's been a great little business that's cool yeah what about um pizza yeah yeah because i remember one of the first times i think i met you was you were at an event with your pizza which was amazing yeah we have a pizza truck um it's called lodestar pizza that's actually the name of the truck it's an international harvester and the lodestar's the lodestar's the model it's a 73 1973 uh, flatbed pickup and we mounted a pizza oven from italy on it and it's all wood fired and you get this oven up to like 500 degrees and it's this beautiful piece of art and it is cool uh, also looking. functional that just cooks the most beautiful pizza so we have two of them we have one at the restaurant at lincoln's pub and then one in the uh on the pizza truck we do mobile events for weddings and street dances and all that good stuff yeah yep it's good stuff too thanks yeah we try it there's different variables especially trying to cook outside and in the dead of winter we had one oh a month ago and it was cold out and you have that outside influence and makes it harder to cook a pizza so still uh, learning did you learn how to do that on YouTube as well? Um, yes. I had some help and a couple other guys that had worked at a couple other restaurants came and kind of showed us some dough and the stretch. It's all about the stretch and the dough. That's really? the biggest thing. Yeah, this the dough and the ferment and the rest and the portion size. And But it's really all about the stretch. It starts with this 9-ounce or 14-ounce ball and you got to stretch it into this beautiful dough and you got to leave the crust and you got to can't make it stretch it too thin. And um, otherwise you're going to get holes and you put it in the oven and it rips and you're just ruined it. So I've definitely done that. Yeah, it's uh, it's perfect, but uh, it's got to have the, the right dough, the right temperature and the right stretch. I'm a flip guy in the air. I feel like the, when you flip it in the air, kind of like the, whatchamacallit, you get uh, that it stretches on its own oh. and gives you that Frisbee type look and it makes it perfect have you ever had one stick to the ceiling though not to the ceiling nope i've only dropped uh i've dropped two on my flip not bad and i think it was right after i said i've never dropped one <laughs> and i was outside and it was in a way too many people and we uh were behind and that's when i think i just got flustered yeah yeah it'll happen to the best of us that's right, right. yeah <laughs> i'm curious to know what have you learned about yourself through owning all these different businesses? I've learned that I'm kind of a, well, I go to football practice. My kids started to play tackle football last year and they, uh, it was their first year and they were like, okay, we're going to the NFL. We're starting to play tackle football. We got our pads on, we got everything. I'm going to start just crushing people. I'm going to be scoring touchdowns. And my kids are kind of like me, not the biggest, but they're quick, they're agile and speed wins, I think. But uh, so, and we played some bigger teams, and they were, uh, they loved it. But they realized early on that boy, it's this is a physical sport, and it's the real deal. And uh, but anyways, they were, were they practiced a couple nights a week, and there was the, like the older kids practicing on the other end of the field, and they were like the seventh, eighth grade team or something. And I was just watching their team practice and like 50, 60 kids, and they were, you know, you had every different type of kid out there, and it, there wasn't real too much um, organization, and they were, there was one kid out there, though, that 
was just a badass. There was one kid who was just killing people and <laughs> nobody wanted to tackle him. They're doing tackling drills and everybody else was kind of just going through the motions. And this one kid, skinny, tall, lanky kid, socks like rolled down and um, he was just killing people like every single time, just showing that passion. And he was like the, the one dog out there. And that's what I want to be. I want to be that one dog. And I feel like I'm getting there. I feel like I can do a lot and I can uh, back up against the wall. And that's when I do my best work. And I don't think I'm that number one guy yet, but I'm like top 10 and I'm working my way down to get to that uh, one spot. But I feel like I can do anything. I feel like uh, I can tackle any challenge and I'm not scared. I'm, I'm nervous, but you try and channel that those nerves and that fear and energy and uh, find somewhere to uh, find that motivation and that drive and um, get it done. But that's uh, kind of... Where do you think that comes from? Were you like that as a kid? You know what? I I, uh, I was. I was super athletic and I was determined and thought I was pretty good at sports and I was, uh, I was a stud. I was like on the... Uh, Working, working my way up junior high is kind of when I peaked and but I was I was still great I, we, we played every sport we played football baseball basketball track golf um, everything tennis and then uh, when my dad passed away when I was 15 I was a freshman and I you know I just went through that spell where I just quit I just quit everything and I was always uh, I feel like uh, you know I, I don't know if it was pressure but my dad wanted me to play all those sports and I, I enjoyed it but it was a lot it was something every night and it was just go, 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 and always playing, playing, playing. So when my dad wasn't there, I was like, you know, screw it. I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to try and be cool and party and hang out with older kids and think I'm uh, whatever. And so I think that's maybe where I get some of it. I feel like I left something on the table as far as sports and maybe athletics and stuff. So I want to prove myself in business. And I think that's where I find my motivation. I'm backing way up in your story here, but... Oops, sorry. No, this is this is good. I love it. How'd you end up in a cubicle? What were you doing in a cubicle? Oh, man, it was brutal. I was uh, graduated from Iowa in 2000 and got a marketing degree, slid through the cracks somehow. Uh, I'm not sure. I still have dreams where I wake up and I didn't graduate or I was that one credit short, but I literally graduated, I think, with one extra credit or a half or something. I don't know how it happened, but um, they told me I couldn't get into business school. And uh, I needed all A's the next semester to get in. And I'm like, okay. And I got all A's. I was kind of like the C guy. Mm-hmm. Never, not too much or not too little, but got in, graduated in 2000. And I was just going to move and go to somewhere. And I went to Minneapolis. I interviewed with a finance company. And it was like, I don't know, the market crashed or there was a recession or something right around then. And nobody was hiring. So I moved to Kansas City and I was going to try and get a finance job. Ended up working at a restaurant and then helping build a, a bar down there. And I just kind of went down there on my own and I was, um, didn't know a lot of people and I was down there a year, I think. And, uh, I had a friend back at Warner Enterprises trucking company in Omaha, good company, but I was there four or five years and kind of worked my way up a little bit and, um, met my first wife there, Libby. She's great. And, uh, I had a lot of friends that worked there too. And, but just realized it wasn't for me. I couldn't sit in a cubicle. I felt like just, it was like six to 6 a.m. to four or something. So I leaving the house at five when it was dark and you get off the interstate there at the Sapp Brothers and there's a line of 50 cars. They all got their turn signals on. I felt like I was in the <laughs> hamster wheel or the cage just driving in and it was brutal. And you drive home at night and it's dark again and I just couldn't do it. I knew that I was meant to do something else. Yeah. Pretty incredible. And then you started Seller 19. Yep. Yeah. I don't even know where that, I think that was always in the uh, idea there, but um, I don't know how it just, uh, I think it was the construction driving to work every morning. I saw a little building by my house and I'm like, yeah, let's do that. You know, that's really interesting you say that because I've had a number of other guests on who have said quite literally, and you mentioned this actually with John Naturals, they saw a building. And the building like spoke to them yeah. and they weren't sure what they were going to do with it. They just knew they had to have it. Yeah. Well, they were going to put something in there. Yeah. It, those buildings, they look like something and they have a story to tell. 
and they're all been there. My building at John's Naturals was a hatchery originally. Really? So, yeah, they raised chickens there, I guess. Chicken hatchery, yeah, chicken yeah. hatchery, yeah. And then it was the uh, feed store, McClellan Feed and Grain, and then, uh, then me. But I still have people come in, that farmers, and they're like, I came in here as a boy. Mm-hmm. There's this lady behind the counter in her chair. And uh, so, yeah, it's cool to tell those stories and to bring an old building back to life. Yeah. Or a new building. What has that been like as far as, like, outfitting a building and designing a building and because you do have a lot of attention detail i've been inside a couple of your businesses yeah. and they're beautiful thanks what is that that's uh it's got to come from my mom my mom's i haven't even talked about my mom my mom's a badass she's a interior designer by trade but she's where i get all my inspiration and motivation she's like entrepreneur one-on-one started her own business worked for a company then branched out on her own and She's got that eye and that, um, I think that's where I get all of that from. It's easy to build out an old meat shop, chicken hatchery. Just put some old, like, uh, old uh, rusty meat grinders and stuff out there and hang a couple <laughs> pictures of steak or cows on the wall. Restaurants are a different story, especially new construction. And uh, everything's so expensive and it can get out of control quick, but... Yeah, we designed a, we've designed a few of those. Yeah. It's neat, too, how you've worked the history in. What is your... Have you always been interested in history? Was that no. as a kid or...? No, my college roommate was a history major, and uh, uh, I don't know why. He never used it, but uh, I graduated. <laughs> do they ever? I don't know. History majors, yeah, like, what probably, do they do? Yeah, probably just like uh, trivia or to make you look stupid. Yeah, but, I want that person on my trivia team for yeah, sure. He graduated a semester behind me, and I got done in December of 2000. He didn't graduate till May, so he hated my guts because I was done and I didn't have anything to do, and I stayed there an extra semester, and I was always trying to get him to come out and party with me or hang out, and he'd be locked in his room like writing history, 70-page history papers on uh, the Third Reich or something, so... Uh, no, history, uh, I don't know. I just appreciate it, and Council Bluffs has a ton of it. That's where Lincoln's Pub came from is the Lincoln Monument. I had two young boys back when we started it, and I would keep them like one or two days a week. I had a little flexibility, so I would keep them home from daycare, and we'd just always go do something, go to the Children's Museum, go to a Lewis and Clark or the Lincoln Monument, and uh, that's where we went that one day, Lincoln Monument, straight up the hill from the, the pub. Lincoln's Pub, and it's where we used to run around when we were like 8th and ninth graders. There's the Black Angel in the cemetery. We'd run up there and cause trouble after school and get into quite a bit of trouble <laughs> up there. But, yeah, there was, uh, there's a, a statue or the whatever the up there, and it's got a sweet little uh, story up there about, I think, uh, General Dodge and Lincoln. They were standing over there looking over the river, out over the river, seeing where they were going to put the railroad and. Lincoln had four plots of land or a bunch of plots of land right around here, and he wanted to put the railroad up here so he could monitor those plots of land that he got bought or got, and that's how it was started. And I went to Abraham Lincoln High School, '96. So yeah, AL, that's where right? AL. AL. Yep. So that's where uh, Lincoln's Pub got its name. That's cool. Yep. I love it. And there's a picture of you as Lincoln, oh, Abraham yeah. Lincoln on the wall. That's right. You took that picture. Yeah, we, you came down to the studio, and that was a really fun project. We used some old film and an old camera, right? We did, We had yeah. one shot. Four by like, five. Four by five film. What is that stuff? It still exists? It sure does. It's yeah. just film, just like you think. Got one shot, you, you can't one blink? one shot, can't blink. Man. I know. We shot it digitally and on film just yeah. to have the backup. backup. But that gotcha. back, the backup, the film, backup was digital. The film turned out pretty pretty sick. So. Yeah, we did. We bought a uh, $3 suit from uh, the uh, Goodwill next door. Looked pretty sweet. It did. Yep. It looks pretty uh, legit. I yeah. think people could mistake it for the real deal. Yeah. Yep. So I have some rapid fire questions for you. Oh man, I'm horrible at that. Oh, you can take your time. Okay. It doesn't have to be out. fast. We'll cut the pause out. <laughs> yeah, we could do that for sure. What do you think is the biggest misconception about owning a business? Oh, the work involved and the nonstop about it. It looks fun and like, uh, it looks cool and you can be on Instagram and 
take pictures and look cool and stuff, but it, it takes work and it takes years and years of work, like at least five years of day and night work to get it off the ground. Some are different, some are easier, but the, from my experience, it's that four or five year mark of your head down grinding, um, everything going wrong, everything breaking, the uh, payroll, the rent, the loan, the water bill all come just like so quick. And after four or five years, it feels like they start to slow down and you get slowly get ahead. And um, that grind is what is the biggest misconception. It takes uh, a lot of time to get them to work. I'm with you. Has there been an important piece of advice that you've been given that you've actually applied? On business? Mm -hmm. Gosh, I watch Instagram and I get pieces of advice um, all day. I can't remember any of them. But uh, My husband does the same. He sends me Instagram reels all the time. Yeah, my wife does too. Did you know that? Yeah, my wife does too. But biggest piece of advice would probably be that, you know, nothing's going to be given to you and you can't really count on too many people if you want something done and you're going to have to do it yourself and just put in the time and effort to make it work. And nobody, when you own your own business, nobody is really there. It's you and you don't have a, a boss or a company or it all comes down to your execution and you're the everything. You're the accountant, you're the janitor, you're the producer, the service provider, and you can't rely on anybody else. Kind of rely on yourself. Yeah. Which can be fun. Yeah. And a little crazy. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Is there a piece of advice you would tell your 18-year-old self now knowing what you know? Yeah. I would tell them to just believe in their ideas and go for it. Don't don't uh, delay and don't be scared to make decisions and don't leave it on the table. If you are passionate about it and you want to do something and you believe in it, do it. Um, you, I don't want to be there when I'm 60, 70 years old uh, talking about how I almost did this or uh, almost did that. Life's short and um, if you're not happy with what you're doing, you got to do the things you love and the stuff you want to do. So just go for it. Yeah. Is that something you're hoping your kids pick up from you too? I hope so. I think uh, one of them's a little more pragmatic and he'll probably be like, a, what's he going to be? Well, besides the NFL football player <laughs> and a Navy SEAL. And then he wants to be a cook too. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, one of them will probably be like a biology teacher. And the other one will probably be like selling bracelets on the boardwalk and out of a van. Nice. But uh, yeah, hopefully they do. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite kickback and relaxed beverage? Kickback and relaxed beverage. Yeah, I do. Uh, Miller Lite and uh, Grand Marnier, a little sidecar of Grand Marnier, a little sipper. Yeah. And uh, it seems to work good. Nice. Yep. All right. Good to know. Yep. Is there a song or a book or a podcast that inspires you right now? Song, a book, or a podcast. I'm not a huge podcast guy. I should be. You will be now, of course. Yeah, definitely. Song, I'm kind of doing the whole country thing at the moment, but my current song is, uh, uh, my, well, my kids are into walk-up songs for baseball. I got walk-up music now. Yeah. We didn't have that back in the day, but oh. so the Moby Flower is uh, one that really gets me going. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to check uh, it out. Yeah, Flowers. That's a great one. Okay, cool. And then what was the other one? Uh, podcast, song, or... Or a book. Any of them, yeah. Book. Book is from good to great, and I haven't even read all of it. I think I've had it for like 20 years, and it's from how to go from good to great, and that's my problem. That's my biggest hang-up as an entrepreneur. I feel like I'm good at a lot of stuff, and I've got a lot of stuff and ideas, and I do them all good. I don't think I do anything great. I'm trying to make that next step to great it's hard and it's everything in relationships and being a dad and uh, owning your business i feel like i'm good at all of it but gosh i want to be great maybe you never get to great but i, I want to be there so i need to finish the book hopefully they tell me how you get there yeah and how you define it maybe yeah yeah that's interesting yeah. what's something people often get wrong about you oh my wife will tell you uh, different I call myself Council of Second Son just because uh, behind Tom Hannafin and uh, like uh, Jenny Edmondson or something. But 
Uh, she says that now that's not real and that little John Nelson, I call myself little John Nelson or she does or something, but I feel like I'm still a kid and I'm still growing up and still figuring out uh, what I want to do. But just that, what was the question? People get wrong yeah. about me? What's something people often this, get wrong about you? What do people get wrong about me? Or might not know. Or might not know. I like I collect butter dishes. Yeah. Anything old and rusty, really, but I've been on a butter dish, like old vintage butter dishes. Really? There's nothing better than like real butter in a dish on your counter, just out at room temperature. That's how we do it. Yeah. With like an English muffin in the morning. Yeah. Uh, It's like last meal, death roast type stuff. One English muffin with butter, real butter. With real butter. Warm butter. Like the Kerrygold butter, or are you talking farm butter? I'm talking farm butter. I get this rolled Amish butter that's Sweet. like ridiculous. Could eat it like cheese. Could, yeah. I'll, I just did this yesterday. It's so funny you bring this up. I also have two or three butter dishes. Whoa. Because I think they're cool. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't call myself a collector. Okay. Room temperature though, for sure. And I like to have it on saltines, and I did this yesterday. Because basically, I just want to eat the butter. Yeah. It's more butter than saltine. Yeah. No, that's great. I got high cholesterol, so I have to watch my butter intake, which I shouldn't collect butter dishes, but I'm working through it. Fascinating. Yeah, I think it's heredity mostly. Huh. All right. We'll have to look into this. Yeah. Maybe it's one of your ideas that'll turn into a business someday. Could be. All right. Last question for you. Okay. What do you think business owners can do to make the world a better place? What can business do owners do to better be a, make the world a better place? Mm-hmm. Just just help people, be kind to people, collaborate with each other in your community, and work together to make your community better. Um, there's so many uh, different ways to do that in being in business, whether it's you know working uh, with your neighbor next door on uh, how to provide clothing or shoes or something, um, and just be generous to people you know we're on the hunter block and council bluffs and occasionally we'll get a homeless person that come in and you see staff like jump and try to you know get them to leave and something and like maybe talk to them have a conversation with them give them make them a cup of coffee or something on the house or some eggs or something and that's okay and i think you know all those uh, people homeless people in our community they got stories to tell just like us and they were little kids one day too, you know, so uh, just being good business owner and a good person and being kind to people is a great way for businesses to help. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming in today and sharing your story. Well, that's it. Three o'clock on the nose. Nailed it. Nailed it. Good flow. Yeah. Was, all right. Yep. Sounds good. Well, good. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Riding Tandem is recorded on location at the studios on South 4th in Council Bluffs, Iowa in cooperation with Todd Studer Productions.